This is Guidurio's Jordan Podcast. Now streaming, Sherlock Holmes. Scandal in Bible. In previous episode, the man in mask was none other than the king of Bohemia, King Wilhelm. who now want to hire Sherlock Holmes to find out his compromised pictures with Iron Ed- The king took a heavy chamois leather bag from under his cloak and laid it on the table. There are 300 pounds in gold and 700 in notes, he said. Holmes scribbled a receipt upon a sheet of his notebook and handed it to him. And made Mosley's address. Holmes asked. It's uh, Bryony Lodge, Serpentine Avenue, St. John's Wood. Holmes took a note of it. One other question, said he. Was the photograph a cabinet? It was, it was. Then good night, your majesty. I trust that we shall soon have some good news for you. And good night, Watson, he added. as the wheels of the royal brougham rolled down the street. If you will be good enough to call tomorrow afternoon at 3 o'clock, I should like to chat this little matter over with you. At 3 o'clock, precisely, I was at Baker Street, but Holmes had not yet returned. The landlady informed me that he had left the house shortly after 8 o'clock in the morning. I sat down beside the fire, however, with the intention of awaiting him, however long he might be. I was already deeply interested in his inquiry, for though it was surrounded by none of the grim and strange features which were associated with the two crimes which I have already recorded. Still, the nature of the case and the exaltation of his client gave it a character of its own. Indeed, apart from the nature of the investigation which my friend had on hand, there was something in his masterly grasp of situation and his keen, incisive reasoning which made it a pleasure to me to study a system of work and to follow the quick, subtle, methods by which he distangled most inextricable mysteries. So accustomed was I to his invariable success that the very possibility of his failing had ceased to enter into my head. It was close upon four before the door opened and a drunken looking groom encamped and side whiskered with an inflamed face and disruptible clothes walked into the room. Accustomed as I was to my friend's amazing powers in the use of disguises, I had to look three times, three times before I was certain that it was indeed he. With an hour he vanished into the bedroom. When he emerged in five minutes, tweed suited and respectable as of old, putting his hands into his pockets, he stretched out his legs in front of the fire and laughed heartily for some minutes. 
<laughs> well, well, really. <laughs> well, well, really, he cried. And then he choked and laughed again until he obliged to lie back and limp and helpless in the chair. <laughs> I asked, what is it? Holmes, what is it? It's quite too funny. I'm sure you could never guess how I employed my morning or what I ended by doing. I can't imagine. I suppose that you have been watching these habits and perhaps the house of Miss Iron Adler. Quite so. <laughs> Quite so, but the sequel was rather unusual. I will tell you, sit down, I will tell you. However, I left the house a little after 8 o'clock this morning in the character of a groom out of work. There is a wonderful sympathy and friends snowy among horsemen. Be one of them and you will know all that there is to know. I soon found Bryony Lodge. It is a bigger villa with a garden at the back but built out of front right up to the road. Two stories. Chub locked to the door. Large sitting room on the right side. Well furnished with long windows almost to the floor and prosperous English window fastens which a child could open. Behind there was nothing remarkable save that the passage window could be reached from the top of coach house. I walked around it and examined it closely from every point of view, but without nothing, anything else of interest. I then launched down the street and found, as expected, that there was a muse in a lane which runs down by one wall of the garden. I lent on Australs a hand in rubbing down their horses and received in exchange two pence, a glass of half and half, two fills a shag tobacco and as much information as I could desire about Miss Adler, to say nothing of half a dozen other people in neighborhood in whom I was not in the least interested but whose biographies I was compelled to listen to. And what of Irina Adler? I asked. Oh, 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 she has turned all the men heads down in that part. She is the taintiest thing under a bonnet on this planet. So she, so say the serpentine news to a man. She lives quietly, sings at concerts, drives out at five every day and returns at seven sharp for dinner. Seldom goes out at other times except when she sings. Has only one male visitor, but a good deal of him. He is dark, handsome, and dashing. Never calls less than once a day, and often twice. He is Mr. Godfrey Norton of the Inner Temple. See the advantages of a cabman as a confidant. They had driven him home a dozen of times from Serpentine Muse and knew all about him. When I had listened to all they had to tell, I began to walk up and down near Brownie Lodge once more and to think over my plan of campaign. This Godfrey Norton was evidently an important factor in the matter. He was a lawyer, 
that that sounded ominous. What was the relation between them? And what was the object of his repeated visits? Was she his client, his friend or his mistress? If the former, she had probably transferred the photograph to his keeping. If the latter, it was less likely on the issue of this question. Depended whether I should continue my work at Briony Lodge or turn my attention to gentleman's chamber in the temple. It was a delicate point and it widened the field of my inquiry. I fear that I bore you with these details, Doctor. But I have to let you see my little difficulties if you are to understand the situation. I am following you closely, Worms. I answered. I was still balancing the matter in my mind when handsome cab drove up to Briony Lodge and a gentleman sprang up. He was a remarkably handsome man, tall, aquiline and moustached. Evidently the man of whom I heard. He appeared to be in a great hurry. He shouted to the cabman to wait and brushed past the maid who opened the door with the air of a man who has thoroughly at home. He was in the house about an half an hour and I could catch glimpses of him in the windows of the sitting room pacing up and down talking excitedly and waving his arm. Of her I could see nothing. Presently he emerged looking down even more forward than before. As he stepped up to the cab he pulled a gold watch from his pocket and looked at it honestly. Rival like a devil, he shouted. First to gross and Ankis in Wigan Street and then to church of San Monica in Aguari Road. Half a guinea if you do it in 20 minutes. Away they went. I was just wondering whether I should not do well to follow them up the lane came a neat little landing. The coachman with his coat only half buttoned and his tie under his ear. All the tacks of his harness were sticking out of the buckles. It hadn't pulled up before she shoved out of the hall door into it. But she was a lovely woman with a face that a man might die for. The church of Saint Monica. The church of Saint Monica, John, she cried, and half of so in if you reach in twenty months. This was quite too good to lose, Watson. I was just balancing whether I should run for it or whether I should perch behind her and you when a cab came through in the street. The driver looked twice at such shabby fare, but I jumped in before he could object. The Church of Saint Monica, the Church of Saint Monica, said I, and half a sovereign if you wait in twenty minutes. And it was twenty-five minutes to twelve. Uh, my cabby drove fast. I don't think I would drove faster, but the others were there before us. The cab and Lanyu, with their steaming horses, were in front of the tow. When I arrived, I paid the man and hurried into the church. There was not a soul. Not a soul. There saved the two whom I followed and a surprised clergyman who seemed to be expostulating with them. They were all three standing in a knot 
in front of the altar, along the pond side aisle, like an other idler who has dropped in the church. Suddenly, to my surprise, the three at the altar face round at me, and Godfrey Norton came running as hard as he could towards me. Thank God, thank God, he cried. You'll do, you'll do. Come, 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 you'll do it. What then? I asked. Come on, come. Only three minutes or it won't be illegal. I was half dragged up to the altar and before I knew where I was, I found myself mumbling responses which were whispered in my ear and watching for things of which I knew nothing and generally assisting in the secure tying up of Irene Adler Spencer to Godfrey Norton, <laughs> Bachelor. It was all done in an instant. <laughs> and, the, and there were gentlemen thanking me on the one side and the lady on the other, while the clergyman beamed on me in front. It was the most prosperous position in which I never found myself in life and it was the thought of it that started me laughing just now it seemed that there had been some informality about their license and then the clergyman absolutely refused to marry them without a witness of some sort and that my lucky appearance my lucky Appearance saved the bridegroom from having to sally out into the streets in search of a best man. The bride gave me sewing, and I mean to wear it on my watch chain in memory of the occasion. Oh my god, this is a very unexpected turn of affairs, said I. And what then? What happened? Well, I found my plans very seriously menaced. I looked as if the pair might take an immediate departure and so necessary, very prompt and energetic measures on my part. At the church door, however, they separated, he driving back to the temple and she to her own house. I shall drive out in park at five as usual, she said, and she left him. I heard no more. They drove away in different direction and I went off to my own arrangements. Which are? I asked. Some good beef and a glass of beer. Some cold beef and a glass of beer, he answered, winging the bell. I have been too busy to think of food and I am likely to be busier still this evening. By the way, doctor, I shall want your cooperation. I shall be delighted. You don't mind breaking the law, do you? Not in the least. Nor running a chance of arrest. Not in good case. Oh, the cause is excellent. Then I'm your man. Hi, this was episode 3 of Scandal in Bohemia from Adventure Social Corps. Next episode will drop coming Sunday. Till then, stay tuned subscribe to quit your use Jordan podcast and make sure you review your reviews are really important to let us know that if you like or dislike this episode of the show please mention your reviews on apple podcast or spotify or on our social channels 
ആയിരത്തി തൊള്ളായിരത്തി പോഡ്കാസ്റ്റ് ഓഡിയോസ് ഫേസ്ബുക്ക് ഇൻസ്റ്റാഗ്രാം ട്വിറ്റർ ലി